The Makers of Minnesota Dinner Series at the Lexington have been a blast. Imagine being in the beautiful setting of the Lexington in St. Paul, in the gorgeous Williamsburg room with the stained glass windows, the leather banquettes accompanied by 75 other people just like you. They're all there to experience a great dinner made by Chef Antonio with wine pairings featuring products made right here in Minnesota. Our November dinner is Tuesday, November 30th, and tickets are $98. We have four featured makers at this dinner, including cheese from Redhead Creamery, the delicious Nuts of the North from Isidore Nut Company, beautiful spirits from Vicre Distillery in Duluth, and mushrooms from R&R Cultivation, who are farming 11 different types of mushrooms right here in Minnesota. We'll have Makers of Minnesota holiday boxes filled with my favorite products for sale, including Isidore's chai nutmegs, which I'm just crazy about. I'm so excited to see how Chef Antonio will use all of these ingredients in his multi-course menu. We'll have a limited number of tickets for this special dinner, and we have sold out the last two dinners. So go to thelexmn.com and sign up via Eventbrite for the third Makers of Minnesota dinner at the Lexington. Go to thelexingtonmn.com and get your tickets now and join me and some fabulous makers who will tell you about their products and share their maker stories while treating you to Chef Antonio's gorgeous creations using their products. Buy tickets now at thelexmn.com. This is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to the Makers in Minnesota podcast. During this podcast, we talk to cool people doing cool things, and mushroom growing is pretty cool for lots of reasons. No, I'm not talking about those mushrooms, though. For some people, that's pretty cool, too. I'm talking about cultivated mushrooms that you eat, that you eat for enjoyment, that you eat for your gourmet cooking, that you eat for your everyday People are either, I feel like people are either in one of two camps on mushrooms, like either crazy about them or they're not necessarily for them. So I'm going to talk with Nick Robinson today. He's from R&R Cultivation, and they are taking, honestly, the Minnesota mushroom world by storm, him and his partner, Lance Rom. Nick, is there two mushroom camps? <laughs> like you're either into it or you're like, oh, they taste like dirt. Exactly. And I think, I think it's a lot of preconceived notions from people eating like canned agaricus button mushrooms right when they're growing up so just being like yeah you know what they're they're like they're rubbery they're they taste like chewing on an eraser or they just have like no taste at all they're slimy and and that's what we've been combating here in the twin cities that's why uh, starting out inside of farmers markets we're able to kind of explain to people no 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 this is different this is how you should cook these mushrooms okay Um, so i need to know your trajectory because all of a sudden i just noticed one day all these mushrooms and Kowalski's. And I was like, oh, look at all these cool mushrooms. And then Mm -hmm. I noticed them at Lund's. And then I feel like you're just everywhere. And there's so many mushrooms. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not like a massive foodie person, but I'm a big eater and I eat out a lot. And there were mushrooms I'd never even heard of. So I'm curious how you guys went from farmer's market to stores. Out of necessity, so, so our, the, the business model that we started out with was uh, farmer's markets. So we were going to local farmer's markets, selling there, spreading mushroom love. And then we said, well, the next logical step is restaurants. Um, and then COVID hit. And then we just kind of said, wow, okay, well, one, we need to have, because as we, as we grew and, and scaled, 
you know, coming, coming out of your basement is a huge leap for any grower. Um, there's a lot of people growing really high quality products within their home or in their backyard. Once you have overhead, once you have um, expenses, once you have people that are relying on you for a job, you need to be able to provide consistent revenue year round. And so we just kind of look towards the wholesale machine. We just pivoted really, really hard into grocery uh, once COVID hit um, because that was what was open. And it just forced us to go down a really painful path at the beginning, but turned into something that really paid off, paid off for us in the end. Was it, I feel like mushrooms were kind of undiscovered country because there were the white mushrooms sliced or whole, and then it got fancy and there were the baby Bellas and then that was really it. So how receptive were the grocers to bringing all these different types of mushrooms onto the shelves? Well, so the, um, the, a very receptive was the is is probably the best answer. So showing our success inside of farmers markets was a was a huge a huge sell point for them. But really, it took so in like with ones and Byerleys, for instance. Um, you know, they brought us on, um, and they took uh, they told us they had a, a category mushrooms as a category in most grocery has been stagnant. It just really hasn't grown because, like you said, it's just kind of like. Oh, cool. I'll add in mushrooms if I want. Here's whites, browns, and ports. Like that's what we got. But hey, coming in, the the director of produce at Lunds and Byerleys told me um, one one that I've increased the sales inside of their depart their mushroom department by three hundred percent since last year. But he said not only that, but um, I've made mushrooms sexy again, <laughs> which is which it, he's like it's a it uh, it's a professional saying you know in the in the industry. But but just makes me laugh every time. Um, I believe it because, because we made we made it fun again you know well and i believe that because i'm buying your mushrooms and i'm 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 not just buying like what's in my recipe like i'm buying like oh maybe i should try these maybe i should try those i'm pushing myself to figure out how to cook these different types of mushrooms because mm. it's just fun to see different creations and different mushrooms have different textures and so yeah, I can totally see that that would happen. Is the biggest barrier to get people to try a different kind and to teach them what to do with it? Yeah, a little bit. So it's, um, I think once you get the mushroom fever, you just, you kind of want to start trying a whole bunch of them because each one of our mushrooms has a different taste and texture, it just, just everything. It goes great in different meals. So once you kind of catch the mushroom bug, it's, it's, it, we grow 12 different species on our farm and that's, that's, very difficult. When you talk to most mushroom farms, they really try and focus on one, maybe two species because just growing one or two species is there's so many variables that go into it. But we do that for the reason exactly like we're talking about here. You know, it, it keeps people interested, engaged and wanting to try new mushrooms and new recipes on the label of every single, you know, packaged mushroom. We tried to put all of like hey, if I didn't know anything about this mushroom, what do I need to know to kind of know whether to use it in a dish or not? And then we use mushrooms like shiitakes and, and oysters as our, our our gateway mushrooms, we call them, because that gets, that gets people out of the button realm and more into the more nutritious, more, more tasty mushrooms. How do you farm mushrooms? Do you literally have like a farm as in like out in pasture or do you have like a a uh, production facility with plastic PVC pipes and 
that's more more option B. Um, so we're inside of a building. So we basically rent out warehouse space and then we build these grow rooms inside of this warehouse space. And each room has to be temperature, humidity, CO2 controlled, light controlled. So it, luckily, it, mushrooms are easier to grow inside. Everyone thinks they grow in the dark. They do not grow in the dark. You have to have lights on. They're phototropic, so they grow towards light, but they don't photosynthesize light. So you never want to have them in direct sunlight, but they do need a light source to grow too. But yeah, it's just a series of of, of painfully learned lessons of, of what systems to put in place and how to control them. But, but yeah, once you have it up and going, it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty fun. How did you get the fever of mushrooms? You know, um, <laughs> I, I have like the, the least interesting, you know, um, CEO story, I guess, if you will, but really it, it came from, so Lance three years ago, almost, almost to date actually came to me and just said, Hey, you know, he was working on another venture at the time and said, hey, what do you take a look at mushrooms? Um, I had just gone back to school, um, got my MBA, and I was like, I want to start up something that just does good for the community, makes me happy, lets me work with good people, right? Like, let's just start down that path and see what happens. And local food systems fulfilled that need for me. And so I started out buying blocks and fruiting them in my basement in a little three foot by three foot tent. And once I saw how to grow them, tasted them, because I wasn't even a huge fan of mushrooms. When I first started this thing, I was like, this is this could be a, a, a really good business venture. And then it just kept going and going. And now, of course, I'm a, I'm a mushroom lover. But, um, but yeah, it started and, very simply. How did you and Lance meet? So we met like 10 plus years, 10, almost, oh, God, probably like 12 years ago now. So we met through mutual friends. Um, my then girlfriend, now wife, um, was a part of her friend circle. And we just met at a Halloween outing and we just hit it off. And we're just like, man, we are just like two peas from different pods here. But uh, yeah, we just said, you know, we just want to do something together at some point. And then this opportunity came up and um, he had finished his endeavor and was like, you know, I think I'm ready to engage in this now after about a year in. Yeah. Rest so here it favorite. is. So is one of you like the creative and one of you is like the business mind? Yeah, right. So Lance is definitely more the the idea person. And, and I definitely help in bringing those ideas to life. So, you know, since we've, I'm, I'm really good with systems. I have a sales and marketing background Clearly. So sales for most of my life. Clearly, yeah. I was, that was my next question. Who's the salesperson? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm the salesperson. You're um, good at it. Sure. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. just the amount of coverage that you've gotten in stores in such a short period of time. And also the, just the consistency and the quality of the product, the branding, the packaging, mm -hmm. like you guys are on a home run here. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. It's uh, it's been a lot of different iterations and, and everything to get there, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, he is, I mean, he's, he's the, he's the right-hand man, you know, he, like I, everything goes through Lance and I, we just bounce ideas and catch things where we need to be. It's, I mean, you have a business partner. It's like being married, right? Like you're, 100%. You're, you're, you're raising this baby together, you know, and it's, it's good to have someone, you know, you have to have just like any marriage, you have to have good communication and strong and different yet complementary skill sets for each other. So. So when you go to the farm, you go to some warehouse and how many employees do you guys have now? 
now we have over 20 employees, which is crazy. So that is crazy because you only started in what, like 2016? <laughs> no, no, we started in 2019. Okay, 19. I thought it was 16. Yeah. So yeah, so we in we I yeah, we started in like we started in like um probably like August of 2018, but really didn't get like, you know, up yeah. and off the ground until 2019. So in a very short time, couple of years, you've amassed 20 employees. Just that alone is challenging to manage, to create systems, to create opportunities to create job descriptions, like who's going to do what you must be burning it like at all hours of the night right now. (laughs) Um, It's gotten a lot better. So before, you know, when I was first doing this building, it was, um, I had a full-time job during the first first year of this. And so it was, uh, my wife was pregnant as well with our little guy who just turned two. So he's growing right along with this business. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really, really tough the the best thing that i probably got from from my mba was was just leadership and understanding you know the the, my, the more i understand about leadership the more it's uh it, everything i learned from being a parent has more to do with leadership than than anything else that i've learned you know you know really really learning to to serve your employees to um create a a place where where they're okay coming in and and trading in their time for that paycheck you know we also start everyone else so from day one i just said i want to start everybody at 15 dollars an hour and if the business fails the business fails Uh, if i can't make it work then it's not worth building off of so we've just have had these things from day one that have just been extra roadblocks in the way but but i'm i'm very i'm very proud of of the company that we've built um it definitely kind of embodies you know who we are as individuals and how we want to contribute back to the community that we're in can you tell me about your worst day just one or uh, <laughs> we can, I could, this could take up the rest of the podcast. Um, no, there's, there's been multiple days there. There are so many variables when it comes to mushroom farming and, and putting in strong processes and procedures is, is how I've combated it. But anything from, you know, entire crops of blocks, just, just contaminating, um, rooms experiencing, you know, blotch, not having correct burning conditions, controlling the amount of heat in the summertime, not not properly sizing my systems. And so those systems fail and I lose an entire crop, you know. It's it's just it's 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 been an ever expanding ladder with greasy rungs that I've had to climb up. Oh, I like that description. So tell me about your best day. Um best days have been where local partners have believed in us enough to put us on the shelves. So like Lunds and Byerly's, they were our first real major individual, you know, grocery chain that that we didn't have a lot. And they said, hey, we're going to grow with you. We're going to, we believe in you. We believe in what you're doing. They dropped their their mushroom partner of, of 30 plus years and and just really dove into us as a brand. And, uh, you know, that relationship was forged by knocking on a door. Um, I had no ins. This was every relationship that I've had have, has just been going out there, meeting face to face, getting people to know me, understand what we stand for, and then following through. So landing those really big key accounts. Um, we just got into all the high V's in the Twin Cities. You know, that was just a, a fantastic day. The co-ops locally have shown us so much support. 
um, Eastside Lake Winds, uh, Mississippi Market, um, just a, a slew of uh, Valley Natural Foods. Uh, the list goes on and on. But yeah, every time you find someone who who really believes in your brand enough to give you business, and then in turn you're able to um, provide them with really exceptional experiences and high quality products. Like that's just just cool. So I love it. Well, I asked you to partner with us on the Makers of Minnesota dinner in November. We have had a September dinner, our October dinners coming up when we record this. And we were looking for November makers. We wanted to find people that were unique and different. And as soon as I brought up your mushrooms, Chef Antonio was like, yes, mushrooms. I want those mushrooms. And Mm -hmm. we already had three partners at that point. What I can tell you is, is that we added another space to bring your mushrooms in because he was so excited about cooking with them. So cool. Yeah. And we really, we've had these dinners where, you know, 70 people came to the first one. I think we have up to 90 coming for the second one. Wow. And people just are so loving hearing the stories about local Minnesota entrepreneurs, how people got started. It's going to be really fun to have you be a part of that. What is the biggest barrier to selling mushrooms? Is it like expanding the category or knowledge or education? You know, I think going back to what you said before, I don't know if I properly answered that question, but you really do get people who are like, I effing love mushrooms or I effing hate mushrooms. Like there is no middle ground in between there. Um, And uh it's, it's, it's been the people who love mushrooms. Those, I mean, those are our people, obviously. Um, so that's always a percent of a percent of people that walk into a room. Um, so really it's, it's getting people. So you have people who are already in the category. They're already loving everything that we're putting out because they love mushrooms. And then you have people that like mushrooms, but don't love them. So, so like, Hey, yeah, no, I love like agaricus mushrooms, or when they think of mushrooms, they only think of buttons. And then there's the process of converting those people into the gourmets. You know, that's like another tier. And then you have people that just haven't even heard of them and trying to get into them for the first time or had a really bad experience. Um, And that's why farmer's markets are so powerful. I think we're, we kind of um, let off the gas pedal a little bit on farmer's markets. We're going to go full bore for next year, just because we have so many partners around the Twin Cities. Farmer's markets are a way to just to to really sell the product and to get people to see it and understand them and to try them on a very small level. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not once they try them and they cook them properly, they come back every single week. That's really smart research and development because most people use farmer's markets as their first shot out of the door and they're using them to figure out who their target market is, talk directly to the customers But then many of those people, once they get into larger productions, kind of abandon that route. And I totally have always seen that as a market marketing opportunity more than anything else. So sales are great, but you're there to market your product and to get in front of new consumers and to encourage them to shop at grocery for your products. So good for you for seeing that because A lot of times I run a market and ours is a specialty market at Stone Arch Festival, but people are like, oh, you know, the market cost me $350. I broke even, Mm -hmm. I don't know my time. I'm like, but wait a second, like, where do you go from here with this product that 
you know, if it's something that isn't something people buy every day, like a jelly, a jam, a sauce or whatever, you have to create a demand for it. You have to experience what people want from you. You have to show them how to use it without doing sampling in a lot of grocery stores because of COVID, you know, you can get into a high V they'll, you know, you can do it, but then you have right. to spend time selling those hundred managers. You have to find a way to make the product move inside the store. It's always marketing. Yes. And, and so that's why, so a lot of people will come at me and be like, well, you know, you don't want to share what you know, because it's proprietary. And, you know, I'm like, man, if somebody can walk through my grow room, see my setup and replicate it and do it better than me, I don't deserve to be in the industry, right? There, one part is knowing how to grow mushrooms, but a whole nother part is knowing how to actually run a business. A separate part would be actually selling the product. And I think, I think most people find themselves in one of the categories where I knew nothing about growing mushrooms. I taught myself from the ground up, but I had a good business running and sales and marketing background. So I could drive sales and I could run a business. So then I got into the mushroom thing. But, but yeah, we, we actually started up a, uh, not on an NPO called the RNR cultivator. It's very underdeveloped right now, but it has two main two main parts to it. One is an education piece. We really do want to get into my wife is an educator. I worked in education for many years, but having a component that actually pushes into the classroom, mushrooms can be grown inside of classrooms. We have grow kits. It's super interactive and fun to learn that way. And the second part of it is helping other local growers who may be really good at growing, but don't understand the business or the sales part of it. We do direct store distribution um, all around the Twin Cities. And so we help other local businesses to, um, with their direct deliveries. So we use our route, our delivery route that we're going on anyway, charge an extremely low fee just to cover our costs. And then we deliver for them. So on top of that, you know, but showing a business how to be, you know, how much you have to sell to be cash flow positive. Uh, most most businesses or most growers don't understand their numbers, which is why they just tend to just keep running forward. But maybe they're running in in a wrong direction, you know. So something I'm very passionate about is helping other local growers who who are you know, sustainably minded, who pay their people well, who you know run a good business to help them get up and going. So who might be an example of that? So if someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, oh, I have a broth company, who might be a good person to connect with you to help you or help them with distribution? Maybe they're doing it themselves. They're running to all these stores. Yeah, yeah. So just um, have them reach out to me and you can put my email address in there for for anybody who's interested. Uh, so the, the whole purpose of this is not so that I can take a cut of the profits of everything they're selling. It's really to empower growers to be as engaged or disengaged as they want to be. If they want to use our distribution system until they have enough money to save up and deliver on their own, great. If they want to use us, you know, uh, um, in perpetuity, great. Yeah. But yeah, any, anybody can reach out to me who has a product that they're looking to get on the shelf. And if they want to make a business out of it, if you want to stay in your home and have it be kind of a low key thing, I'm still happy to talk to you. But, you know, we really want to get in businesses that are looking to feed the masses um, and that that are local, um, you know, focused on organic practices and, and clean outputs, you know, sustainably minded and responsible. Like those are the people that I'm looking to invest time into to help their businesses grow. I love it. Well, I can't wait to meet you in person 
in November so we can eat mushrooms together at the Lex. Yes. Uh, if you're looking for tickets, they're at thelexmn.com and I'll put a link in the show notes. We'll go from there. Thanks, Nick, for joining us and thanks for bringing better mushrooms to my grocery stores. I'm so happy. Thanks for the support. Absolutely. Appreciate it so much. We'll talk soon. Bye. Okay.